John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. Accessed entry 561.zc, that's Zulu Charlie. Charlie. Are we doing that? We're doing that now. (laughs) 1412. Zulu Charlie 1412. Certificate number 49964. Haitian zombie. But I don't care, darling, because I love you. Got to let me eat your are you sound are you are you scared there or are you spooky? Are you scaring others or are you a little unnerved by the prospect of Haitian zombies? I'm a little unnerved. These are the real zombies. These are not time of the season British invasion zombies. Right. Are they they're not or, zombies or they, that are like in a mall? Right. They're not mall zombies. They're not consumer zombies. They're not even the fake ZZ Top zombies. Are they fast walking zombies? Well, up or to you. Slow walking zombies. Matter of personal taste. Uh, you know, we're in the middle. Futurelings should know we're, I don't know, hopefully toward the end of a kind of bizarre worldwide fascination with a very specific fictional trope that does not exist. The dead coming back to life, walking very slowly toward you and eating your brains. Brains. Now, this is, to brains. be clear, this is not a thing that has ever happened. Right. Like even as a fictional trope, it's not that old as we shall see. Right. But it has become the centerpiece of the global entertainment economy for reasons that are not really clear to me. I have a theory about it. I was kind of wondering because a million thing pieces have been written about the zombie boom. Yeah. I have not read any of them really? and certainly they will not exist to the future. So why don't you give the final surviving explanation? <laughs> I have not uh, read any of them either, but you know, I, I, there's hardly a thing that happens that I don't have a hot take about. Even if you don't have one, you will produce one. But my feeling about zombies is that they are a, uh, they're an extremely safe way to have, to uh, explore your natural xenophobia where you don't have to confront the other things that attend xenophobia, like racism or cultural imperialism or whatever. You don't have to think about the other as actual people. But who, you, who might be offended. Right. But you can explore the idea of having an enemy that is other that uh, and because if you think about what zombies do, it's very much like what people who are anti-immigrant or anti um, the social services network. It's the it's very similar to the way they characterize 
the other, which is... They come in vast numbers. Yeah, they're just here to exploit and just they come and they're a relentless uh, plague of... They're takers. I have a brain and they just want... They think my brain is delicious, but they didn't do anything to earn that brain. So if you think about survivalists or people with post-apocalyptic fantasies where they have to defend their home... They just got to shoot up a bunch of somebody's right a bunch of the the poor they they can't say who they really would like to be shooting up in these situations (laughs) and so zombies fulfill that which which it seems to be is maybe like a basic human need to have an an other another enemy that it's very gratifying to defend your home and your culture and to feel like you're surrounded and then just blow them away by the by the mass. Well, this is the argument that's made around, that takes place around violent video games or teenagers listening to death metal or whatever it is. Like, does this get it out of your system to have a place to put your uh, your your inner uh, white fragility and rage? Well, I mean, the day- or, or does it does it just make it more? Is it just a stealthy way to you know express it and indulge it? What seems to me is that it, uh, it because the, because this idea goes unexplored. In the in the massive like fandom of zombie TV and movies and games and really, if you're not from our era, it's really impossible to overstate how this bizarre thing has become the centerpiece of not just horror, where it's not just low budget horror where it started, but now big budget end of the world, right? Tentpole movies and comedies, yeah, like Shaun of the Dead and uh, you know uh, Prestige TV. And even historical mashups, you got to have zombies in Jane Austen now uh-huh. for some reason. World War II zombies. There's no part. Of, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Nazi zombies. There's yeah. no part of our our culture that has been untouched by this trope. But it's but it kind of goes. It's contemporaneous with um, with the opposite cultural criticism, which is that any xenophobia of any kind expressed is politically untenable. You know, we can you cannot be anything other yeah what else could you shoot up a room full of yeah if you're if you are if you're a member of liberal america you have to welcome all people equally and you know you cannot you cannot even distinguish between people based on we have nazis for this movies have nazis in the clan for this (laughs) for for progressives to feel good about shooting up a crowd of something so what it is is it's an other that progressives can feel good about killing in in vast numbers. I'm just saying we have Nazis for this. And that makes me very, that, that concerns me, or at least the fact that we don't delve into that and we can, we can look each other straight in the eye and say, Oh no, this is just for fun. Like, like watching movies and TV shows where we are like loading up on machine guns to just blow these completely fictional people away but you know you're laying in bed at night you have to be fantasizing about yeah, it it like, started out as a ghost as a campfire story and it really turned into some kind of inward violent fantasy yeah, right it's an extremely violent fantasy you've brought, and, a, and a profound fantasy i think you've brought this up on the omnibus before and i had never thought about zombies on this level and i realized that you know there are very specific racist tropes in the portrayal of zombies they're all dark you know, the way they're yeah the, the coloration the way they kind of move slowly and shuffle which is yeah. kind of a, a you know a 19th century white canard about the 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 lower duskier races they're in tattered clothes like escaped slaves i mean they really do look like uh like a trope of a of like a an 1850s idea of of somebody in the underground railroad so this is not wrong like there is a very racial basis for our conception of zombies 
And I was not going to draw that direct a line. Like I was, I was trying to think what it is about our time that might make zombies our number one villain. And I never got to class or race animus like you did. Um, I guess I was just hung up on the fact that there is a ton of them and each individual one is not, not all that bad. You know, like, uh, Oh, those each, each zombie each individual itself. zombie. Sure. They're just, lo- they're just confused. Right. Like it's, uh, you know, in general, the trend in fiction is for bigger and bigger, scarier and less realistic and more and more megalomaniacal masterminds, you know, right. Super evil, Dracula, Voldemort, Moriarty kind of types, you know, like that's our scary guy is, you know, some ultimate big boss who represents ultimate evil and zombies distribute that threat, you but, know? But again, that's, uh, it, that is, we see that also in the way we think about, for instance, the vast Mexican horde that plagues exactly. us at the yeah, border. No, I'm, like, I'm very convinced by this. Yeah. Every individual Mexican person is- If, if I met one, I'm sure they'd be d- oh, lovely. You hear about all the, the border people are like, well, you know, Jose is one of the good ones, mm-hmm. but uh, because he is, you know, a friend of mine and I know him, but- But there's a vast horde of criminals that are unlike him. That's right. Right. I guess, um, you know, even on a more general level, if you take away the xenophobia from it, it does seem more in line with our day and our, the way we now think about evil, you know, that evil, you know, there's something banal about evil, that it's not actually a criminal mastermind right. with a cloak twirling a mustache. Although it's, it's really w- just a bunch of kind of, a bunch of kind of like what, what, what ruins my day is a bunch of small things, <laughs> right? you know, like yeah, the- it's, it's annoyances and a computer that won't boot and a, a, a Convenience store guy who's a dick for no reason. Yeah, and other people. They're just in the way. And right. I mean, when I so it's am, kind of a misanthrope supervillain, you know, <laughs> just a whole bunch of, of of people who are kind of bugging me. If you think about the the uh, the way Seattle talks about it now, the peop the the vast faceless plague are Amazon like young affluent Amazon computer programmers, <laughs> right? And you just hate them as a mass of of people. Although well, when you meet any individual one, you're like. Oh, hey, buy my record. Sorry, I called you a programmer. <laughs> well, I mean, in Seattle, too, you see the same thing with the homeless. I mean, it's... Right. Right. Like, uh, well, sure, some of them are just families who need a motel room for the night, but uh, I'm not talking about them. There's this vast horde of, of, of drug-using, you know, filthy ones. Yeah, the filthy that, that, zombies. And I feel like we need to focus the, our, our rhetoric on, on the filth. The junkie zombies. But, you know, but junkies need help. We're talking about the unreformable no. junkie. No, if, if you give them help, they'll just come here. Like oh, that's where right. the Seattle rhetoric has gone. Like we can't actually provide services. Like we just have to be so mean they'll go to uh, Spokane or something. Seattle is besieged on all sides by the rich and by the poor. <laughs> and if you're, if you know, and if you're like me and you hate both the rich and the poor, it's awful. Right. I'm just. I'm what in do my. You do you just? Stay I'm in, in the my middle. bunker with my zombie guns. Stay in the fat middle. <laughs> so the. Um, the zombie is a surprisingly recent addition to popular culture. Uh, How it seems to me like it seems like zombies would be would date back to, it, yeah, like what? Like you'd think it'd be well at the very least it would be like the you know like Dracula, a gothic novel from the nineteenth century. Or what is a golem? and of course and of course there's vampire roots back before that. Isn't a isn't a golem a kind of? Gollum, like he want, like my precious. No, Gollum, like the like, oh, like the Jewish, Jewish uh, like animated. I always uh, say Gollum. 
Oh, okay. To, just to distinguish. It's Yom Kippur. We're recording this on Yom Kippur, John. Like, sure. Let's have some golem sensitivity. So it's a golem. It's there to avenge your community. It it comes to life. But that's not quite a zombie, is it? It's more like a monster. It's made of clay. Yeah. It's, it's more of a Frankenstein kind of yeah, a vibe. Right, okay. Frankenstein. But Frankenstein? But it, sure. Sort of. There's he's, only one, though, and he's nice. Right. Because uh, he likes Madeline Kahn. He is undead. You know, he... Uh, that's exactly right. He's he's reanimated. I, th- that's the zombie-like thing. I never liked the word undead, by the way. Like, I'm undead. I'm alive. <laughs> like, undead oh, just yeah. means... Like, zombies are still dead. Don't call them undead. Sure. They're dead and, and kind of, you know, sauntering. My daughter has started to say things when you ask her a question like, so are, did, you, did you wash your hair when you were in the bath or not? She'll go, ish... <laughs> I didn't not do it. And I'm like, ish, when did that become a thing that people say? She's like, ish. So they're so zombies are ish. They're Frankensteinian uh or Frankenstein is zombie-esque. But like uh, zombies are recent enough addition to American culture that like it was kind of a Broadway play huh? that made them big. I mean, really? yeah, as recently as the uh, there was, you know, there was some anthropology about Caribbean traditions in the early 20th century, in the 20s and 30s. I always say Caribbean, just to distinguish it from the ride. <laughs> I see. Caribbean, Caribbean is a fictional sea where Captain Jack Sparrow right. lives and dead men tell no tales. Yeah. But, I try but to distinguish cruise, it from the song Caribbean Queen. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a Caribbean cruise. R.I.P. Billy Ocean. Wait, Billy is that Billy Ocean? Ocean? Yeah. Wait, did Billy Ocean die? He I did, right? I don't think right? so, did he? Oh, am I, who am I thinking of? Billy Vera died. Is is it Carrie? Is it know, Billy Ocean? I know Billy Idol's alive. Caribbean Queen. We're just going to get to the bottom of this right here on the show. It is Billy Ocean, and Billy Ocean is, and it was from 1984. Great year for for uh, for ocean related ocean related. Uh, and it looks like Billy but, Ocean is still alive. Oh, thank goodness! And uh, he was born in 1950, so he's he's a young 69 years old. Uh, he's a Trinidadian. Yeah. So he's a, he's a, he's from the, how do, how do we say it when it's not fictional, when it's not Johnny Depp? Caribbean? Caribbean. Okay. (laughs) He's from the, you really put the rib back in Caribbean. I'm just trolling you. Uh, the, and as a result of this anthropological work, um, zombies kind of appeared as a trope in Broadway plays from which they made their way to kind of the horror movies of early Hollywood. Uh, how, how, what time are we talking about? Early 30s. Uh, I think Bela Lugosi's movie White Zombie. Uh, again, not the the movie that I guess would inspire a young... Inspire the band? Robert Bartley Cummings <laughs> to change his name to Robert Bartley Zombie, Esquire. Uh, I've met him. Is that right? Yeah. And what's Rob like in person? Super nice. Aww. He was standing uh, side of stage at a Slayer show. That I was also side of stage. Is he always, do you think he's just, he's just always there? I don't know what he was doing there. If but Slayer I was, plays loud enough, Rob Zombie appears, he's conjured up. <laughs> my uh, my my uh, show partner said, you want to meet Rob Zombie? We walked over. Never say no to that. Shook hands. Nice. Yeah, he's, so he's named after a Bela Lugosi movie set in the Caribbean about kind of a, a Lugosi plays a, a white zombie master who has been reanimating uh, the dead. Um, and then in the 40s, uh, Jacques Tourneur made, well, Val Luton, the great uh, producer of B-horror movies, this, this producer was given almost no money, and yet he made these amazing arty horror movies like Cat People 
and uh, Seventh Victim, which really hold up well today. But maybe my favorite is I Walked with a Zombie, which also takes place on the island of Hispaniola. And uh, in these early zombie movies, there's no brain eating, which is kind of... Right. You know, these are are, uh, corpses coming back to life. But then they just kind of. What are they doing? They're 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 controlled by their by their zombie master. But what do they by their want? Their voodoo master. Does whatever he, what whatever he, he wants. wants. Oh, well, it's up to him. I see. Bela Lugosi might want them to to work his sugar plantation, but uh, <laughs> somebody else might want him to kill his enemies. Uh, right. I don't know. Right, right, right. Um, and in these movies, these movies are are, are pretty racialized. I mean, they, they both take place in Haiti, I think. And White Zombie has a weirdly, it's a Haiti that has an all white cast. Like you know, you'll you'll occasionally see you know, an African-American actor playing a, a servant or a farmer or something. But really all the drama is involving this weird white population of Haiti that maybe only exists in this movie. Which should have been speaking French by all rights. That's right? true. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were speaking English with a British accent. Sure. That's usually Which how we convey, Hollywood conveys. Both Germanness and Frenchness. Yeah, all, all foreign, all foreignness just means a British accent, upper class British accent. Uh, but the Tourneur movie actually does have spooky zombies who are who are black. Uh, a black actor named Darby Jones plays the spookiest character in the movie, uh, a, a kind of a, a bug-eyed zombie. He may be able to do the internet thing where you pop out your eyes, mm-hmm. I think, because in the movie he's really got these, you know, he's kind of this gaunt guy with with bulging eyes, and he's really he's really othered uh, in a spooky way. And you can see that the beginnings of our zombie fascination were extreme even your theory aside extremely racially fraught um because of course the zombie comes from the local haitian traditions of voodoo right uh i guess now they 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 spell it voodoo v-o-d-o-u right well which is closer to the west african root and distinguishes it from kind of the the new orleans kind of uh media eyes it used to be Sevastopol and now it's Sebastopol and I just can't I just can't get around it. Istanbul was Sevastopol. But doesn't voodoo? I mean, I always thought of voodoo as having roots in Africa. Yeah, it's a it's a syncretic religion. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a mix of West African traditions uh, overlaid with the uh, the Christianity that was forced on these people when they when the slave trade brought them to the New World. Right. I see. Um, so to this day, like the, 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 the voodoo, voodoo well, traditions. Yeah, I, think, of, I think it's just spelled differently, but, but we you can think still we, say Are we okay saying voodoo? voodoo? Yeah. Like if I keep saying voodoo and that's wrong, that's going to be so embarrassing. I think, I think, yeah, the, whoever it is that is behind the spelling change within, within Haiti is probably, first of all, is definitely their descendants are going to be future links. That happened in, to Korean, by the way, they changed the way that Korean is Romanized, like between when I lived there and now. So the city's literally changed their name. It used to be Pusan with a P. Now it's Busan with a B. Oh, right. It was Tegu with a T. Now it's Degu with a D. And the funny thing is the pronunciation is closer to the, um, to the unvoiced consonant. Like we really, it, it does sound, when it's an initial sound in Korean, it does sound a little closer to Pusan than Busan. It's just unaspirated. How, so say it as, as well as you can in Korean. It would be somewhere between a P and a B. Pusan. Pusan. Right. There's no puff of air, but it's still closer to our voiced, unvoiced p than it is to our unvoiced b. Hmm. Uh, but be, to, but to make the romanization consistent, even when it's an initial letter, now they use the voiced b or d. So mm-hmm. Americans are always saying bulgogi. 
when it's really closer to pulkogi, like it's closer to a P. Interesting. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in voodoo to this day, there you can see this kind of the way that um, Christian theology has been layered over West African animism. You know, there there is a, a, a omnipotent, distant, unknowable god in voodoo called right. a, a bon dieu, which is just bon dieu, good god in French. Right. Um, but he is good. It's, it's right in the name. Yeah, I get it. But then below him, there's a ton of loa, you know, these spirits representing different um, aspects of nature or the world um, who are below him. So it's kind of like the Tolkien thing where he wanted to have all his cool Norse pagan gods, but he was also a, a guilty Catholic man right. who wanted there to be an omnipotent, uh, bodiless Iluvatar god over them all. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Every uh, incarnation of Christianity that I've experienced outside of the United States, you know, and the there are 500 kinds of Christianity here. But when you go to Germany, you definitely feel the, the strong influence of sort of pagan animism within the Christianity. I mean, there are an awful lot of pine boughs in those churches for my taste. But then if you go to, if you go to Southern Mexico, the saints are sure. I mean, really, really powerful. That's at the center of Catholic dogma today, but uh, that there's a, a bunch of saints looking out for you and saints that are, that it, it, just looking at the way they're portrayed in Oaxaca, it, churches in Oaxaca, you see them have qualities that feel that feel very Mayan or pre-Columbian Azda, in some yeah, way. Pre-Columbian, right? That's true in uh, in in voodoo as well. The uh, the loa are often identified with an actual saint. You know, uh, you know, this is the this is the loa of the moon or whatever. But it, you know, what if it's also Saint Philip of of uh, Thessaly or, or whatever. These are made up examples, but there is a, there is a, a, a death loa, a, a, you know, the God of the underworld in voodoo, Baron Samadhi, which just means Saturday. And this is a trope we see that's made it into popular culture. If you can, if you've ever pictured kind of the spooky voodoo guy with the skull makeup and the top hat and the nice suit. I picture him. It's, I do it's, picture him from are, Madonna videos. Are you picturing him right now? Like if, uh, if you're uh-huh. picturing him, if you, like don't don't let him come to you because uh-huh. he is the Loa of the underworld. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> rub zombie, rub zombie, rub zombie. <laughs> come and fight off the voodoo Loa. Uh, but he's, you know, it's Jeffrey Holder and Live and Let Die. You know, it's the spooky voodoo guy who's come for your soul. And he's a, he's kind of a debauched death god. Like he likes to have a good time. He's, he's, he's also, you know, 
he likes riotous women and wine and song. Uh, interestingly, Papa Doc Duvalier, the, the Haitian dictator, yes. would actually dress in a way that would remind his citizenry of Baron Samadhi. Like, so, he literally dressed like a death god on the stump, which is a pretty brave political maneuver. I don't know if I would recommend that to Bernie Sanders. He exploited voodoo, but I think he also really strongly believed in it. Oh, is that right? true? Like yeah. this was not just a, a tactic for him? No, I feel like I feel like he as as time went on, he went crazy and um and became like a very bad very bad man. But it was uh, it was an honest practice of voodoo, or you know, it went from like respect to belief. So you're are you implying that uh, Francois Duvalier was like a nice guy at first and, and was well, corrupted by his office? But correct, corrupted by the, or by the voodoo by the, gods by the by the undead. He forgot to put a line of salt in front of his door. <laughs> I really recommend that politicians put a line of salt on their door. Elizabeth Warren, you know, don't don't let the voodoo gods possess you. Let me let me just correct myself. They are they were not Maya in Oaxaca, but Zapotec. Thank you. Yeah, I, I could hear the scratching of pens. Yes, I out know. in the ether. I know. There's a Potex, you idiot. The Potex and Mixtex, largely. Anyway, a big a big uh, responsibility of the Baron, the voodoo death god, is that he would make sure that corpses, uh, you know, rested in peace. Basically, that they rotted in the ground. I mean, that's why they foreground the skull and bones imagery on the Baron, because he wants to make sure you rot away into a nice skeleton. Like, when you think about it, that's a service a death god provides. Um and there is an afterlife in voodoo. You know, a lot of the things we associate with voodoo from the movies, you know, the pins and the dolls and whatnot, are not actually part of the religious practice. Is that right? There's no, uh, you don't have a little doll that you can that you can hurt your, your enemy with if you have a lock of hair? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if that was the main thing about the religion? <laughs> like, people are going door to door. Hey, do you have enemies you'd like us to make a, a little, uh, we have a short message about making mannequins of your enemies. That would actually be a pretty good, that'd be a pretty good draw, honestly. Well, let's put a let's uh, let's put a new syncretic religion together that has elements of all these things, it's all gonna, the most revenge elements. It's going to combine my uh, conviction uh, about my you know my Mormon beliefs right. and, and your deep love of revenge. That's right. We'll get a little instant karma in there. We'll get we'll get John Lennon's version of instant <laughs> karma. It's going to get you. So there is an afterlife in uh, in Haitian belief in Haitian voodoo, but it's kind of a sad one. Oh. I'm sorry, this is going to be a bummer. Uh-oh. This why, is, why do you want This it, is our spooky then? Halloween show. Oh. Well, it's nice to them. It's a bummer for us looking back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when Haiti was a French colony, when it was Saint-Domingue until the slave revolts in uh, around eight, early 19th century, 1804 or so, that, yeah. that gave Haiti its independence. Uh, you know, it was just uh, sugar plantations and it was a huge target for the the uh, the the slave trade, the Atlantic slave trade, and so the you know the the West African beliefs that are coming over are coming over with slaves who have awful lives, and their afterlife that they talk about, their idyllic Eden, is called Longine, mm-hmm. and that just means Guinea land. It means oh oh back. Back, back, to, back to Guinea. Yeah, back to West Africa, like where stuff was good before these a-holes made us slaves on their sugar plantations. Oh, no. So that they, is kind of a bummer. So they spend their whole lives just dreaming of this Edenic death where they just get to go they home. Go, they get to go home. 
uh, and you know, and every day the sun would set in the west, but then it would rise again from Africa in the east, and they would think there is some miraculous way to get back there to right. to my to my land and my continent and my people. And their belief was that in death they could follow the course of the, the, the somehow the sun gets there every night, and you could do the same thing, and you would you would live again in the perfect simple happiness that has kind of come down to your through your your generations of enslaved people. Just ride the sun from Haiti around over Busan, Pusan, <laughs> around Sevastopol, uh huh, and then back around, yes. drop drop you off in Guinea, right? So that's their afterlife. It's a it's a place that exists in their in their. Uh, you know, in their minds and in their legends, it has, it has physical geography to it. Wow. And that's, that's, that is, that's very poignant. Well, it becomes even more poignant because, uh, when you're a slave, you know, there's a way to get back to Longanay. Like suicide was not uncommon. Oh, wow. Uh, in, among slave populations because your, your life is just so awful. Right. And if it just gets so bad that you can't stand it, well, hey, there's here's a shortcut so back all it, to Africa. All it takes is walk through the door. It doesn't. There's no. Uh, there wasn't any um, prohibitions on certain deaths. No, I don't think that. Uh, well, I think when you're that desperate, you know. There, yeah, I don't know of any specific taboo against you're not, suicide. You can't suicide, right? That, into heaven. Yeah, that puts you into purgatory or worse. Right, but apparently, you know when your belief system arises out of this kind of desperation and misery, you know, a, a slave plantation, huh. then, you know, you're, you're willing to take any hopeful out. And so I mean, the, afterlives are all wish fulfillment in a way, like all the, all the classic afterlives are just, uh, all the classic afterlives. Well, like the, you mentioned the Mayans, like, or the Aztec mixed lawn, like the, the Aztec heaven is just a place where like peppers and squash grow in abundance. Like that's the best thing they can think of. Sounds like my heaven. All the squash you can eat, you know, because because <laughs> their days are spent, you know, trying to get squash to grow in in Mesoamerica. It's definitely hippo heaven. The best, <laughs> the best thing they can imagine is just a place where they don't have to work so damn hard for the squash. Right. Um, so you know, the afterlife is always wish fulfillment in a way. And so, you know, I have no conception of an afterlife like that would please me at all. I, it, it's only a, just occurring to me now. You don't, well, what, well, let's go through it. What, what would what, my heaven be? What would your wish fulfillment be? Think of the things, here's what they do. Think of the things you don't like, like having to work to get squash out of the ground. Right. And flip it. Flip it. Do you not like uh, traffic? Honestly, I think that my heaven would just, it, and I think it may be achievable in life, would just be to relieve me of a feeling that I have not done, I have not finished any projects lately. I think my heaven would be that I didn't wake up every morning going, ah, boy, you've really screwed it up. I'm in the middle of <laughs> 10 things. Just just from the time that I was like 11 on, I've just sort of just feel like I've screwed it up. And if I could just be relieved of that, I think I would be in heaven. That seems manageable. It honestly. does. It does. It also seems sad. It's even sadder than riding the sun back to Guinea. If I could just wake up in the morning and not excoriate myself. It just seems the, like maybe just some affirmation tapes could deliver you I, to that heaven. If I just put a, like a post-it note on the door that was like, you're fine, you're good, you're doing fine. Yeah, you're doing great. But I don't believe it. It's in my own handwriting. I know it's fake. Okay, you need to roll over and see the right person who tells you you're doing great. Oh, see, but that's the thing. I need to be married or or in love or something, and I already feel like I've screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, it's. I feel like this is a, your heaven is very achievable. I guess you're not like I need wings. I, I need clouds. Need, I don't need like friends. I don't need. I don't need a, an abundance of squash. <laughs> I don't want to go home. I just want to be. I just want to like have have a peaceful mind. I guess. Have you thought about maybe just. Uh, Meditation? Getting rid of a smartphone. Yeah. Or TM or maybe uh, just getting rid of your smartphone. Kind of. <laughs> one of them costs a lot of money and one of them saves you a lot of money. That might help. You could just do one of those. But I just, you know, I've got that long winner's record I never finished. I, You know, it took me 32 years to get a college degree. What if you just finished one of them? Yeah, well, easier said than done. What if, you, what if every day you had like a small achievable goal? This is doable. I feel like I am a zombie of a kind. I've, I just, you know, I'm just reanimated. Just shuffling around. Yeah. <laughs> every day, I, I uh, every day we record the show, I ring your doorbell I can never... and I see you kind of lurch up <laughs> from the couch, like, the, like no dust scatters by your tombstone, but it is kind of like, <laughs> I'm outside of a door and I can't figure out how to work the doorknob because I'm dead. <laughs> and so I'm just sort of clawing at the door. <laughs> So the, um, you know, this conception of heaven is actually what, what directly leads to the zombie trope because uh, plantation owners, I don't want to say reasonably so because nothing about being a Haitian plantation owner in the 18th feels century, it, this feels like a great life choice. But, uh, you know, in their own self-interest, at least, they did not want all slaves their, you know, their, mo- their most well-adjusted slaves killing themselves. Because really, it's a, it's a rational choice when you're a on a slave on a Haitian sugar plantation, you know? Right. Like, uh, why not bow out of this? You know? So really like they would be losing all their best labor force if suicide became an option. So they had to discourage the idea of slave suicide. And what they did was they told their slaves through their kind of, you know, religious domination that suicides would not go to Longinay. That was the one way to assure that you would have, you know, the kind of the the Catholic idea that there right. would be an unquiet grave for suicides, that Baron the Baron would not be able to rest your bones in peace and return your soul. Because Catholicism to Eden. tells this to its own flock, right? Otherwise, possibly to discourage suicides. No, that's not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Otherwise, all you you know, just to get there nuns, wouldn't even have been a Renaissance. You just get nuns <laughs> thinking they could fly and jumping out of bell towers. <laughs> yeah. And presumably, some of them can't. Right. The so, middle Middle Ages were so bad. I mean, we human hum, the European race might not have survived. Right. So it's the same thing here, except you know, without any concern for the actual souls of these people, I they see. just wanted them to keep uh, uh, picking the right number of sugarcane. Well, as far as you know, they might have also been concerned with their souls. Really, well, you're imagining much as you imagined a a nice. Papa Doc, <laughs> you want to imagine nice Haitian slave masters? Well, this is the problem. You, with you the, think the best of everyone. This John. is the problem with the spread of Christianity, right? It was all it was all driven by uh, uh, at least an overt motivation uh, to save the souls of the of the many of the vast. Um, it start it starts unsaved. Out, it starts out with such a nice guy. Yeah. No matter what you think about yeah. Christianity or the divinity of Jesus, uh, he he seems like a, a delight. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's so unselfish and patient. Yeah. Like what a, what a great friend. You never know. And yet, you never know what's in the hearts and souls of men. So let me get this straight. You're not suspicious about Papa Doc Duvalier, but mm. you think maybe Jesus has a dark side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
think about him and the money lenders. You know, what were those people doing? They were just sitting there lending money. We all get mad Jesus sometimes. tipping over tables and stuff. You're saying you've never been like in a long line at the bank? <laughs> I didn't go tipping tables over. You wanted to. I didn't go casting people down. You wanted oh, to. Man. Anyway, so it does not serve the ruling class for slaves to be killing themselves. So they, sure. tell, so they tell them, if you take your own life just to get out of your lousy life here... You're not going to Langanay, buddy. You will be a zombie. That's go that's into- when you become the undead. Oh, no. You become a creepy guy creeping around the jungles here, Ugh. and you don't want that, right? No. So our whole idea of, of creepy guys creeping out of their graves just emerged as a way to- Keep slaves from killing themselves? To keep, yeah, to dis- discourage slave suicide. This is terrible. And we've turned it into the centerpiece of a lot of our culture, and as you've mentioned, kind of an uncomfortably racialized part of our- culture right and yet i've never heard i've never heard of anybody trying to cancel zombies no no because all the people that are the most into canceling are also the most into zombie movies as far as i'm concerned <laughs> it's true <laughs> no, yeah no no hentai ever gets canceled it's, it's so weird <laughs> have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument maybe you've even tried at some point but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time thankfully there's musician Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com slash start haiti was the one of the first maybe the first country in the new world to ban slavery because mm-hmm. you know it was the second independent nation in the new world after the u.s you know right. the, the slave upro- uh, uprisings of or upvolts as i call upvolts. it of the, 18, for, of the 1800s uh ended the slave trade there they banned the slave trade did they ban slavery uh yeah i believe so i believe an, the independent post 1804 haiti had no slavery mm-hmm. uh specifically uh banned in its constitution um but of course, we're dealing with, in this country as well, we're dealing with the aftershocks of centuries of the slave trade, even today. And I think a lot of the discussion you hear about, you know, what that did to generations of the descendants of the slaves, you know, uh, the African-American population today. Christopher Columbus actually landed in Haiti. And took slaves, like, within a few days— <laughs> Of Haiti, quote, being discovered, uh, there were, maybe we should have done this for the uh, Columbus Day show instead of the Halloween show. Yeah, mm. He was enslaving people. And now it's just a fun thing. If you go to the CDC website, there's, um, they have tips against zombie epidemics now. <laughs> so, like, I think about zombies when I, you know, when you hear this kind of the ta Coates stuff about how even today black people don't have the same kind of autonomy over their over their bodies, of their physical selves as you would like. Because whether it's some mean cop or a for-profit prison system or, uh, you know, 
systemic racism in any other way. You know, it, it aims to to you know continue that legacy of slavery of of not letting black people have the autonomy over their physical selves that we were all born expecting. And that's exactly what the zombie myth is. Some some bokor, some sorcerer is forcing you to do their evil bidding. And, you know, you're just you're just a black pawn in the game. It's interesting that the United States did not recognize Haiti politically until during the Civil War. Oh, wow. Because to have recognized Haiti uh, prior would have been, uh, you know, part of this whole... Uh, it's a like, political football. Yeah, political football. You can't recognize a country that's a living example of a successful slave revolt, right? right? Because the Southern senators would have, uh, you know, probably filibustered it or whatever. So it wasn't until 1862 when the Southern states seceded that the Union recognized the existence of Haiti. Uh, my theory is that the whole Civil War was fought in order to recognize Haiti. Is that right? Lincoln was had a great, uh, one of his great diplomatic goals was to recognize Haiti and he was willing to fight a bloody civil war to do so. Interesting. In addition to, in addition to the, um, in the constitution in, in 1804, in addition to, uh, uh like, uh, outlawing slavery, uh, it, it granted freedom of religion and white men were forbidden from possessing property. Wow. On Haiti. Well, they kind of had it coming. And that concludes Haitian Zombies. Entry 561.ZuluCharlie1412. Certificate number 49964. 49964. But it still conveys spookiness. It's the scariest thing we can think of. In the unlikely event. This is what people who are dead or in the ghost world sound like. But why? Why are they singing? Like, what do we think has happened to their vocal cords that they can... I don't know. I mean, it seems like a a harder, more elaborate way of talking. Like, if anything else, they should be like... Like they should talk like a very old man. Right. That's how spooky ghosts should talk. Or actually, if you believe in heaven, they should be like, hey, what's up? Things are great. (laughs) Thanks for contacting us. Uh, Jesus is love. Bye. I feel like this is, you know, it goes back to seances where someone was ringing a bell with their foot under the table and, uh, and, you know, saying like, I'm here. It's like how you can always do an impression of cartoon characters. Like anybody can sound like, um, Mel Blanc. Yeah. Sylvester or whatever. (laughs) Suffering flickatash. I'm going to destroy the earth. And that's because those are not real people's voices. That's a guy doing a put on voice. Right. So that's why we can all do the spooky voice. We're doing an impression of some crooked seance lady. We're doing Madame Blavatsky or something. Futurelings, of course, will all, uh, will all understand perfectly um, that the spirit world is just a place that we put our hopes and fears. They will have overcome all fear, in fact. Like, Halloween is uh, obsolete to them because yeah, nothing scares them. It's always fun to dress up as someone else. So Halloween will just be an elaborate masquerade It'll ball. just be pride. Yeah. It'll, like, <laughs> like, Halloween is becoming pride in our era. Just get yeah. rid of the candy. and the, Like, why do we still need the squash? I get We're, rid this, of the candy? This isn't Michelin. You can go to the store and buy fun size baby Ruth bars any day of the year. Yeah, but Halloween is an excuse to eat them for breakfast. <laughs> well, in the unlikely event that the awful 
Halloweeny spirit world of social media still exists in your era. That's spooky. Uh, Facebook- you can't spell Facebook without boo. Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are archived at the Omnibus Project. Zombies don't make those sounds, right? Zombies just go like ack. Right. They just sound like Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> And Kathy's strip is over, so she could literally be a zombie right now. She could be stumbling around with part of her head missing right now, trying on bathing suits. Brains. Bathing suits. If you think about, wait a minute, you know, zombies are like a major, if not the major plot point in Game of Thrones. That's true. Like, even our epic fantasy has been taken over by zombies. Tolkien was not troubled by the need to add zombies. He had had barrel whites. That's as close as he got. Well, sure. And Nazgul. Are Nazgul zombies? They well, see, they've got dark cloaks. To me, they're more like the the Dracula uh, archetype. You they're know? incorporeal. That's corporeal. True. They're incorporeal. Could you just their heads look invisible? Could you like? Could you poke at them? How many Nazgul can dance on the head of a pin? You can kill them with a with an elf blade. If you're a woman or a hobbit, right? No man can do it. Only women and hobbits. Right. That's the only people that should be allowed to own property in in uh, Middle Earth. There should be a door. There should be two <laughs> restrooms, one for men where you can't kill Nazgul, and one that has a picture of a woman and a little hobbit. Yeah. Well, or anyone that can kill a Nazgul. Right. Non-binary people can, can a, kill a Nazgul. Can a dwarf kill a Nazgul? He just says no man. So really, uh, any kind of non-binary, genderqueer, like there's a whole spectrum of people that can kill a Nazgul now. Right. So, but... But male dwarves identify, well, not men, right? They identify as dwarves, but they do identify as male. They've got beards. I hope they identify as male. Well, you no, never actually see it. Not necessarily, You never though. see a she-dwarf. You can, you can be a gender queer and still have a beard. That's true. I've never asked Gimli's pronouns. Right. And he, he and Legolas seem very close, so I'm, you know, who knows what's going on. Can, well, wait, can elves kill Nazgul? They must be able to. Because the a Nazgul hobbit. are kings of men who have been turned. Nine rings for the, uh, what? Nine no, rings what? for the, for the so mortal man doomed to die. Right. Okay. There you go. There you go. Mortal man doomed to die. So yeah. And the hobbit who helps out is male. Right. I, even though his name is Mary, I assume he identifies, I assume his pronouns are male. And also he is mortal. Hobbits sure. don't go over the sea when it's their time. Well, Frodo and Sam do. Right. And Bilbo. Right. Sam only does so in the appendices. Right. <laughs> so yeah, We're the worst. So you're not wrong. A male a male elf or dwarf seems like would be able to get around the no man could kill me kind of loophole. Also, what a terrible loophole to have. Why doesn't he just say nobody can kill me? Then you're good. I feel like I don't see dwarves killing Nazgul, but I might but I could see Elrond killing a Nazgul. That doesn't seem Yeah, but why hasn't he then? He should be able to just kill nine Nazgul before breakfast and problem solved. Right, I see what you mean. Well, but here's the question. Why doesn't Tom Bombadil just pick make up the, the ring and make the whole world uh, like a peaceful, beautiful place? Why doesn't he make more squash grow and uh, <laughs> and make the ring disappear? Because he's one of the eldest, Ken. So wait, Tom Bombadil is a Luvatar? We've wandered pretty far from from zombies, much less from the outro. Right. Much less from, from what is even canonical Tolkienism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably the most... Controversial thing we've ever said on this show. The thing we're going to get the most letters about is saying that Tom Bombadil is Luvatar. People will be like, yeah, sure, all zombie movies are racist as hell, but I drew the line when you said Tom Bombadil was a Luvatar. Ted Leo is going to call me on the phone. Uh, Our handles on social media were at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. 
I also am on Instagram posting pictures of my my undead idealized life. Your adventures seem pretty good on Instagram. Where I sit by the pool and... The thing is, your life on Instagram seems like most people's heaven. So yeah, that's right. Just hanging out, wearing wearing old, old uh, musty-smelling wool jackets and... And lying in the tub yeah. and taking pictures of funny signs and eavesdropping yeah. on old folks in diners. Yep, that's it. So if you could just wake up and look at your Instagram, you would be like, oh, today's going to be pretty chill. My life is great if you could just eliminate my inner voices. <laughs> If your brain wasn't there experiencing your life, yeah. it would be fantastic. Maybe I should put in headphones. You know, I don't listen to music when I walk around. Maybe if I had music playing, it would just drown out the all the like, John, you didn't get very good grades. You never finished sorting <laughs> that drawer. You're doomed. Doomed. Please email us from uh, from your beyond, from from the depths of time, from the other side of the circle. At uh, theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Ken will read your email. Apparently there are, there are SMTP and POP and IMAP servers on the other side of the yes, circle. Yes. Well, that's the thing. What we don't know about IMAP and POP <laughs> are, are they confined to one place in time? Sure. Are they four-dimensional solids? Probably. Uh, please support our show at patreon.com slash omnibusproject with your financial contribution. Uh, we are... Just now, earlier today, discussing uh, reward tiers, which will be rolling out very shortly. Talk about a Halloween surprise. Maybe we should do it for Christmas. No, Thanksgiving. That's when you roll out your reward Why? tiers. Why? Because it's a time of bounty? It's a time to give thanks. Our cornucopia runneth over with the re- the rewards we will offer. Did you just put an extra syllable in cornucopia? Did I say a, like corneucopia? Yeah, corneucopia. I don't know if it's an extra syllable. It's definitely an extra Y. I heard you say corneucopia. Oh. Like it's something like it's an optometrist holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the apples of my eye. Uh, so yes, there will be bountiful rewards coming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for good little pilgrims. A uh, horn of plenty, if you will, of merch and options. A horn of, if you're plenty horny for a horn of plenty, keep an eye on on the Patreon and donate generously. Uh, if you have not instituted a prohibition against Facebook in your own personal lives and in your history, which listen, we understand, but because websites no longer are applicable and because we did not think about, nor do we feel entirely comfortable about having a fan group on Patreon just because it seems like it's one more place to go. I would forget it existed. If your culture does not say that people with Facebook accounts cannot achieve the afterlife. Right, right, exactly. If you if you have no t- such taboo. We don't support social media at all, but we're forced into it. Like We spend several minutes every Tuesday and Thursday bad-mouthing it yeah, it's for awful. some reason. But we want you to enjoy the people who populate the people and futurelings the very, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be species normative. Dwarves, the, elves, hobbits. The many, many ethereal beings. There are Nazgul on there. Really? Yeah, they don't comment that much. If I was a Nazgul, I'd be worried because there's so many non-human posters who could just uh, poke me with a sword. Uh, they, I think they have, they, I think they have handles. I think they are um, anonymous on there. And every once in a while they just come in and, and throw some, throw some bomb at the peaceful community. On the internet, no one knows you're a Nazgul. Uh, our fan group is the Futurelings on Facebook. We are also on um, 
We also have a fan group on Reddit if you feel like that is a a healthier environment. If you've made a series of life choices that make you think Reddit is healthy, first of all, I'm sorry. Yeah. But second of all, yes, future links. The Redditors continue to be slightly more disgruntled than the Facebook people, and I think that that is in keeping with the uh, That's the, the spirit of the various yeah, places. Facebook is for gruntled folks. Yeah. And uh, you can mail us actual things. Ken has a bag of mail right there next to him. Uh, things we've received in the mail from futurelings, past and present, and future. I'm opening an envelope right now. Our mail is uh, at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. What do you got there? John Perrin of uh, Pomeroy, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I know Uh, it well. It's near the site of the Mothman scare of the late 1960s. Mothman? Mothman. Is it like a a, a Jewish fella? (laughs) Boo. Uh, no, Moth- we, we used to live by the Mothmans. They, uh, the they Mothmans. always had a menorah. Yeah, yeah, they were nice. They're nice people. They're good people. Uh, she was actually a converted Catholic, <laughs> Mrs. Mothman. I think you say Mothman, right? So he has sent us a long, Mothman. a long, a seven page. Is it a play? Summary. Yes. He's written a play. <laughs> it's called the Mothman cometh. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a seven-page description of the moth. Maybe he's proposing it for a future omnibus entry. Not a bad idea. And he also corrects the way we said... I still can't remember the right way to say it. Chillicothe? Chillicothe? Oh, no. Chillicothe. I think we said Chillicothe, but everyone's saying it's Chillicothe. Chillicothe? Maybe those are both wrong. Chillicothe. And, and now we're going to get more menu, uh, letters. Chillicothe. Yeah, yeah, it's Chillicothe. Uh, it's one of those things where if you can say, if you can, if you can say Puyallup and Squim, then, uh, then you're from here. <laughs> He's, yeah, and we're, I'm not from I'm not from Eastern Ohio. He says it's Chillicothe, and it comes from a Shawnee word for big town. Big town. Big town. So like Chillicothe was there, Cleveland. Yeah. Oof. That's probably nicer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it had a rock and roll hall of fame also, but they just had rocks. Uh, so yeah, so please, if you if you have information on the Mothman, you know where to send it. Well, we already have seven pages of information on the Mothman. If you have pages eight through sixteen of Mothman information, a sequel. Please uh, get it to us. This, this ends in a bit of a cliffhanger. Here, here is the last line. If you're passing through West Virginia this September, consider swinging by the festivities to remember one of America's strangest and most intriguing local legends. Intriguing local legends. <laughs> See, real cliffhanger. You can't end there. Yeah. Eastern Ohio, particularly southeastern Ohio, is not a place that we're going to find ourselves by accident. I, I call it think. Northwest West Virginia. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Although, no, not to disparage West Virginia. No, we, we'd rather go there. Yeah, well, and not to disparage Western Virginia by by attaching it in any way to <laughs> Southeastern <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> Have you done all the things? Are you done with your things? Oh, yeah, all the things are done. Listeners, from our vantage point here in your distant past, before the zombie epidemic happened, before the zombie onslaught, before zombies even got canceled for being in poor taste, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, because I didn't buy any machine guns for the zombies. I'm, I'm going to be. You helpless. don't have a single machine gun. Here, let me let me uh, list all the machine guns that are in my house. That's it. I don't have any. Wow, that's you're you're not prepping very well. What's the correct number of machine guns to have? Let's see. What's the correct number of machine guns? Two. I one, just, one for one for each adult. 
one I have a I have a yeah I have a I should just have a, the thing in the movies where the revolver has four bullets do you think well no do you think that's a that's dark it's a little dark also we have dogs do you think one of your dogs is exactly six inches high <laughs> and the other one I've never seen stand yeah I don't think they're, they're gonna do great in the in the post-apocalyptic world do you think that Dylan and Caitlin are are old enough now and responsible enough to wage a gun when your home is besieged by zombies or others uh, no, like I can't even get them to put their laundry in the hamper. That's what I always think every time there's some video, some NRA guy with, you know, his nine-year-old shooting something up. That's your standard for having, having crossed the threshold into adulthood. Yes. Can you toss the clothing into the cylinder for clothing instead of on the flat plane next to the cylinder for clothing? And until you do, you will not gain a franchise in this family. Right. Yeah, Exactly. They, I mean, they're never going to have a vote, but, but they will get a machine gun. Like I already have the machine guns ready to give them. Don't you think that? Don't you think that they that they might be forged uh, as adults in the in the uh, in the crucible of yeah, gun ownership? The cruci- well, no, the crucible of of finding your house attacked. Oh, I see. Yeah, maybe it would reveal un- heretofore unsuspected depths. The way your house is situated, it seems defensible. It's on a hill. We chose the high ground. But could... We never even get trick-or-treaters. That's, could, that's, oh, that's I wouldn't a, go up that's that That's how street. off-putting our stairs are to lazy uh, American children. Could zombies get over the back fence, though? Because it seems like you've got a protective hedge of you, but that might not be enough to keep zombies out. A hedge of me? <laughs> we have blackberries. Oh. Do the zombies hate prickles, or are they okay? Zombies they don't definitely mind. hate like, prickles. But they, like in movies, like rebar will go through them, and they'll just be like... Uh, like they just got a bad email. I feel like they're prickle-proof. Anyway, if the worst comes soon, if the, if the zombies get through my blackberries soon, this very recording could be my final word to you. But if Providence allows, John and I hope to be back with you soon for another spooky entry in the omnibus. <laughs>